I've been teaching a series uh, for a number of weeks called Honor Do. And, uh, and today I want to continue that. So if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, Hebrews 13, and then I'll read the other passages that we've been uh, basing this topic on. And they are, first of all, second, or 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 20, or verse 30. Maybe I need to extend the series a couple more months <laughs> so I can get my scriptures right. Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever, but now the Lord says, far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And so Eli and his family, they disqualified themselves from enjoying the blessing of God's perpetual place and ministry position for their lives because they lacked honor. And so if you have a chance to be honored by God, I would recommend you take it. Because it's really good, right? Say, so how, how can I do that? Show honor in your own life. Embrace this word of honor. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and then Romans chapter 13 and verse 7 reads, Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. So honor is due to certain people in, in our lives. At really, when, you, when I say it that way, honor is due to God, but showing honor to God is going to include showing honor to people. Yeah. Say, well, which ones? It depends on what you're talking about. All people on some level, we are to honor, right? But then others, the honor is tailor-made for their position and their place in certain functions in their life, like children are to honor father and mother. Why? Because they're people? No, because they're father and mother. Amen. Yeah. Everybody with me? Yeah. Yeah. All right. And so we are looking to do these things in the right manner. Now, previously, we were teaching from the book of Mark chapter 6 and showing how when Jesus went to his hometown, he did not receive honor. He received skepticism and questioning and disbelief and uh, even offense. They said, who is this? Who is this carpenter? What are these things we hear about him doing? Where does he get these teachings and all this stuff? They were offended. The end result was that he could there do no mighty work. So that mentality, that lack of honor, shut down the power of God from flowing in Jesus' ministry. And if that's, we're talking Jesus here, someone who knows how to minister. I think if anyone's pretty good at getting people healed and having miracles, I'm going to say Jesus is the guy. Yet they were able to shut him down. Now, if they were able to do that to Jesus, what do you think could happen in our lives? Man, I tell you, we better get our act together. <laughs> we better step it up in this regard, learning God's kingdom of honor and how that applies to our lives. Because we can either invite or hinder the power of God from flowing. Personally, in our services, this is a very big deal. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, uh, did you find Hebrews? Yes. Okay. Hebrews then, and, and chapter 13, is where uh, we read, we want to read verse 7, and then we'll 
uh, we'll skip down and read verse 17 as well. Verse 7 reads, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. So the, the those who rule over you is speaking specifically not of human government or that type of ruling, because he says uh, those who have spoken the word of God to you. All right, I haven't heard many civil gov uh, government officials speaking the word of God. There's occasionally you get some of that. Thank God for it. Uh, but, but they're not the ones speaking the word of God to us. He says, remember those. Now, this is not a real popular concept in our day and age that, that we would even acknowledge that someone might rule over us or have leadership in our lives uh, this is talking about the kingdom of God, about spiritual leadership. And, and he says, you need to do this. You need to remember them because it's their faith that you want to follow. Right? Uh, someone might think or say, no, I just follow the Lord. I just follow Jesus. <laughs> well, that sounds good on the surface. Like, yeah, that's way better. Don't follow people. Follow Jesus. But God does not explain or describe it in that, in that manner. Part of following Jesus, if I'm going to include His Word, means that I'm going to remember those that have the rule and I'm going to follow their faith. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever needed, uh, let me say it this way, has it ever been helpful to not only read the Word and follow and obey a promise and believe a promise, but also to see someone who is doing that and who has success. Yeah. He says, look at these people and see the end result. See what it produces and then do the same thing that they do. Yeah. Now, obviously, you could, get, you could take that too far to an extreme and then you take a human being and place them up on a throne. And that's not what he's talking about. You're not supplanting Jesus' place with a person, but you are following them so long as they are in adherence to God's Word. They're producing good results in their life. This is God's design. It's beneficial. It's helpful if we can see our leaders doing the will of God, standing in the midst of trouble and trial. When hardships come up, you, it's helpful to be able to see someone who knows how to deal with it. Yeah. Someone who knows how to respond rather than freak out rather than throw in the towel and quit, but someone who will say, you know, we're going to believe God. We're going to stand on His promise. We are going to come through this thing. Come on now. I appreciate seeing people in my life that, that will do that because it encourages me to stand when I need to stand. Yeah. And so, again, we're not just following Jesus. We're following the faith of those who are, who are over us. Now, now skip down then to the 17th verse. And it says a similar thing. Uh, obey those who rule over you and be submissive. So you can see those aren't people's favorite words these days. <laughs> o obedience and submission. <laughs> but he, he gives a reason. He says, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them, so let them, who's that up to? That's up to the follower Right? Let them, in other words, if, if you allow them, they can do this, but you don't have to allow them. But he's saying do. Allow them. Let them do so with joy. 
In other words, you could follow them and make their life miserable. You could make it really hard. He said, let them do it with a happy face, with joy and not with grief, so that uh, for that would be unprofitable for you. So he's saying, if you recognize those whom God has placed in your life as spiritual leaders, uh, you need to, this would be beneficial for you if you allow them to take that place in your life with joy. Don't make it hard on them. In other words, best you can, be easy to lead. Amen. Not difficult. Don't make their job harder because that's not going to help, well, certainly not going to help them. But his point is, it's not going to help you. Your life is not going to be better by making it more difficult for people to lead you. Hallelujah. And so, uh, according to this, this word then, those who rule over you are there for your benefit. They provide spiritual guidance and wisdom from God. And you want that to flow into your life. What, what's the that? That spiritual substance. That wisdom from God. That godly counsel. Now, now, now compare this to Jesus going to Nazareth in Mark chapter 6. Healing and miracles. They, they didn't have honor and respect for Jesus, His calling, His ministry, what God, the Lord had sent Him there to do. They didn't regard that. And so the re end result was the blind person stayed blind. The end result was the crippled person that, that stumbled into Jesus' meeting that day in Nazareth. They, they, they stumbled in and they stumbled out. Right? And so that's the real life tangible results of recognizing and showing honor to what, what, what is written here as those who rule over you. It produces real tangible results in our lives that we want. Okay? Maturity, blessings manifest. It is a key component to this. Now, uh, part of honor, if I could just translate this in the, in the I don't know, the LTT, the loosely translated translation. Uh, it's a new one I'm writing. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, uh, don't be a pain in the neck. <laughs> in other words, don't be burdensome because it's not going to help you in the, in, in the end. God's blessings are not going to flow to your life more if, if you do that. But many of us haven't realized that, that, that principle. Okay, now watch. Seeking prayer, seeking godly counsel, seeking the wisdom of God, those type of things, that's not being, you know, a pain, so to speak. That's not being burdensome or troublesome. Spiritual leaders are gifted to do that. Amen. They're called of God, anointed by God to bring answers, to pray, to minister, to do these things. If it's when someone has problems and they say, well, I don't want to be a bother on anyone, stop it. Get your problem in here. You know what I'm talking about? I, I mean, really, there are people on both sides. Pastors all know this. You got people who they have, you know, the slightest thing and they'll call you in the middle of the night. My cat's tail isn't wagging. Or, or cats don't wag their tails, do they? Anyway, something wrong with something and it, it's an emergency. No, it's not. Go to bed. Uh, and then you got someone else who their world is falling apart and they really have 
severe tragedy and they don't want to bother anyone. I don't, want to, I don't want to talk to anyone because everyone's, you know, they're all busy. Yeah, but they're called to help. Amen. They're anointed and gifted of God to help you in those, in those areas. Amen. So that's not the pain I'm talking about. It would really be, you know, more things like uh, being unfaithful or stirring up strife or, uh, you know, becoming offended violating simple protocols of how things... It, those are things that, that, that make uh, leading a church grievous, make it difficult, make it hard. And the, the word here is don't do that. Don't make it hard by doing those kind of things. Make it easy for them because they're trying to make your life amazing. I don't know if you, anyone has ever thought this way. Why is this person trying to so hard to stop me from making their life good. Come on, parents, you've thought that way before with kids. It's like, what are you doing making my life so difficult when all I want is good for you? All I want is your life to be better than it's ever been. Come on, can you relate to that, parents? All right. 10% of you. Hallelujah. This verse, uh, verse 17 uh, in the Amplified Bible, uh, reads this way. Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, continually recognizing their authority over you, for they are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare as men who will have to render an account of their trust. Do your part to let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning. For that would not be profitable for you either. So, so think about sometimes what we give up or what we sacrifice for something else. And I really believe it'd be in our best interest if we make really good judgments here. All right. If what, if what I'm giving up is so much smaller than what I could gain, I need to have the wisdom to see that. Does that make sense? It's like maybe when a person's standing in faith and trusting God for an answer for a victory of some type, and they're standing, 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 and they think, I can't do this anymore. And they don't know they're just that close to seeing a total victory in their life. And if you saw it from God's perspective, you wonder, do you know what you gave up? <laughs> you gave up this massive victory because of this little standing that you had to do. And it wasn't worth it. It wasn't a good trade. I, I think sometimes about, uh, about uh, you know, leaving a service while the Spirit of God is moving. And I wonder sometimes, do people recognize they saved five minutes? And they gave up, they gave up direction from God or a healing or an answer or some kind of victory. Think, did you know you were trading that? I bet they didn't process it. Okay, uh, when, when someone wants to express displeasure over something uh, and they, they, I have to let them know, I have to have my say, you're going to detrade that for, for honor? Okay, because when we trade these little self-temporarily satisfying things for something big, it's not a good trade. I'm telling you, honor is the heavyweight thing. Remember the Hebrew word? It means that. It means glory. It means weight. It, 
Honor, I never want to sacrifice honor for some little temporary short-term victory. Woo, I got this. Man, there's so many things this plays out in. Husbands and wives being tempted with someone else. It's a little short, what? Don't mean to judge you, but 10 minutes. <laughs> For the life of honor. And all that brings and honoring another person. It's a bad trade. People don't realize it until afterwards. It's a bad trade. Uh, in the Old Testament, there was uh, Jacob and Esau. Esau was the firstborn. Remember, they were twins, but Esau was the firstborn. Esau came out from hunting, and he was famished, came in. He thinks he's about to die because of starvation, and he's not. But you know how hunger can make you feel. And uh, Jacob's in there cooking some stew, got some good food, and Jacob takes advantage of him, but he shouldn't have given in. He said, I'll give you some of this. You sell me your birthright. We'll make a trade. Esau was hungry. His stomach was rumbling. He had a rumbling and his tumbling. That's what Winnie the Pooh would say. Uh, and he made the deal. He made the deal. And Esau traded his birthright, which was of high value. It was a very honorable thing. He traded it for something to eat. It's like, oh, you idiot. In Hebrews chapter, uh, what, 12 or 13, it, calls, it says that it calls Esau a profane person for doing that. He just made a real poor choice choosing this temporary, this will make me feel good, I need this now, and gave up something of great value. I pray that we have the wisdom and discernment from God to make the right decisions. We never give up things of eternal value or stuff of, of great consequence for something that is temporary, it's short-term, it's a, just a little short-term fix to something that we uh, you know, have need of in the moment. Amen? Amen. Would you turn with me uh, to another place today? It's Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. If you're new to the Bible and you don't know who Matthew is, let alone... Matthew 10, or why there's 10 of them. <laughs> it's just one book written by Matthew. Uh, but just listen the best you can if you can't find your way around the Scriptures yet. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, and uh, I want to begin reading here in verse 5, okay? It says, These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, uh, lost my place. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. But look at verse 9. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, 
nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now, uh, again, in the ministry of Jesus, he wasn't the only one healing the sick and working miracles. Jesus wasn't saying, that's the only one that could do that was Jesus. Uh, no, others did that too. He delegated his authority. They did the same things. All right. But when he gave them instructions, he, this was very interesting because it's not really logical. Think about it. You're going on a trip. You're taking a journey. You're going out of town. You're leaving home. What would be natural? Pack a suitcase. Take some extra money. Right? Either for the just in cases or for the known needs. I am going to need food. Right? I need to take provision for that. And if they were going on a vacation, I don't think Jesus would have given them th these instructions. Hey, we're going out to the island for a few days and uh, don't take anything. No, he would have said, pack your swimsuit, take some extra cash, you know, do all. But this, this was a unique situation. They're going to minister, and he's referring to them as workers. Okay, the worker is worthy of his hire. And for that reason, because they are bringing the gospel, he, he told them in this situation, don't take anything extra. Well, aren't we going to need extra stuff? 100% you're going to need it. Specifically, he told them what not to bring. In other words, let the people you are ministering to provide the gold, the silver, the copper, the tunics, the sandals, the staffs, etc. Don't bring those things. Let them give it to you. Now, the very fact that he told them not to provide for themselves indicates they could have. Okay, so his apostles, these disciples, were not poor. They were not impoverished, and they're just a bunch of homeless dudes, and they don't have, because they just said, Lord, uh, thanks for the advice, but we don't have any gold. We don't have any silver. I don't have any extra shoes. I, I, I'm just wearing these rags, and that's all. No, so that indicates they were not broke. They had the ability to bring stuff like a normal traveler would. Extra money, extra supplies, but Jesus said, leave it at home. How many know it takes faith to obey that? Yeah, sometimes obeying the Lord, you're going to do things that don't make natural sense. When you know it's God and you know it's Him, you step out in faith and do it anyway. This is one of those situations. They had to go in faith, believing that their needs would be met by God, but through people. You ever found out that God likes to do it that way? I don't know if you've ever prayed and, and, you know, the windows of heaven were opened and American currency came floating down. <laughs> Has anyone ever prayed for money and it came that way? I mean, I've never heard that testimony. Always comes through someone else or an opportunity or something like that. Uh, uh, but this is his instructions to them. So they had the ability to provide these things, but the Lord wanted to give the people they were ministering to the opportunity to give to them and then thus benefit from the corresponding ministry that would happen afterwards. See that? Okay. Now, I've used this example before, but it's been some time. If, as a church, if, if we were to receive a super abundant, large offering, $10,000, 
say, of, you know, a billion dollars or something like that. If someone came, and some people have the ability to do that. <laughs> I don't know if that's you, but... <laughs> If we were to receive huge financial support like that, do you know uh, that I would still receive an offering the next service? Now, if you don't understand that, you think, well, why? You don't even need it. We have more money than we could ever figure out what to do with. Uh, why would you still receive an offering? Because that's not the point. These guys had the money. Amen. Our church, as we currently are, we're not struggling. Now, we have a vision for a lot of great things to come that will cost more than we have presently. But we're not, we're not, we're not saying, that's why you've never heard us ask money for any, from anyone. We've never said, come on, give, or the doors might be closed next week. <laughs> we don't have any debt. And, and it costs a lot to do ministry, but I'm saying the Lord's providing our needs. We're still going to receive offerings. I'm saying even if we got a super abundance, we would still receive offerings. I would still personally bring my tithe and offerings. Why? Because it's not all about the need. It's about the need to give. It's about the need to show honor. It's about, it's about that principle that needs to be in play in my life. It enhances my relationship with God. It makes everything else work. Okay, that's what the Lord's telling them here. It wasn't that they had some great need. They could have provided for themselves. He didn't want them to. Those people, in their response to them coming into their, their town to bring the, the gospel of the kingdom of God, they had an opportunity to show acceptance, to show honor, and to receive that ministry. If they didn't receive it, the blind person stayed blind. The crippled stayed crippled. The poor, the poor person stayed poor. The gospel did not get preached to, the, to, to those who needed it. Amen. How many know not everyone on the planet is seeking after God? And the Lord won't make them. He'll give an opportunity. But He won't force them. And these are things that we should keep in mind when we're making decisions in our own lives. Who am I seeking after? What am I going for? What do I want? If I will pursue the things of God, He is more than willing and open arms generous with me to show me amazing things and provide great things for my life. But if I'm, not, if I'm more interested in the things of this world, I won't be troubled with the greater things. If I'm more interested in my five minutes, I won't get the greater things of God. What verse are we in? Verse 11. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who uh, in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is, if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet." Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the, for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. He's saying Sodom and Gomorrah didn't get this ministry. They didn't get this gospel. They didn't have this. So what they rejected was not as blatant or as clear or as open as what these people are rejecting. So it's going to be bad news for them on judgment day. But, but notice these things. The worthy household received them. How did they determine what the worthy household was? 
You go in. How do you make the judgment? Your house is worthy. Your house is unworthy. The way that they, they, they could see the worthy household was when they provided their natural needs. When people said, come on in, would you like to eat? Here's some food. Here's some, go ahead and sit down. Let me, you need anything else? And what Jesus called it was gold and copper and silver and tunics and the staff and all. Whatever they needed, whatever they said, I'm not taking my own. I'm going just with what I have on my back. When they provided those things, they could easily assess worthy household. What do you guys need from God? And the ministry would flow. The, work, the power of God would work towards them. Listen to this, because this, uh, this is Luke's version of the same account. Luke 10, 8, and 9. Whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick. Where? There. Where's there? There is the place they just put food in front of you. Heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Now, I, I just have a, a short time, but I, I, want to, I want to get out of the opposite ditch. I've seen this presented in a way where it troubles me. And it's presented almost in a way like you have to give an offering before you can be healed. Or you have to give an offering to a minister before their gift will work for you. And I think that's taking this principle of honor and putting it way in the ditch. All right. I've seen someone say, well, bring your offering and then the, the man or woman of God will pray for you. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't tie those things together. Uh, I'm going to pray for you whether you give an offering or not. You know, I'm going to minister. I don't want to turn this into a a works-oriented gospel because that's not a gospel. I don't want to turn this into earning our salvation because you can't. <laughs> Everybody with me on that? Yeah. And so we don't, want to, we don't want to get into a ditch and think, I can't receive from the Lord today unless I give. I have to first give in the offering, otherwise I'm not going to get anything out of church. Okay, no, that's not a, that's not a, a New Testament or even Old Testament teaching at all. But at the same time, I want to catch this principle. When, when, the, when the minister is honored in a tangible way, they are received. And thus, ministry can happen. Everybody with me? I don't mean these guys went into the house with their offering container. <laughs> Say, we'll see how much ministry we do. No, no. But it was the heart of those people saying, you need something to eat? Can I, can I help you? That showed receptivity. That revealed honor. And thus ministry could happen. Okay? I, I want to stay out of, out of any ditch in, in regards to this. But um, what do you think? I mean, I, I can tell you from an from a experiential standpoint that when I... Well, let me just pose this in a question first. What do you think about the person? They're not an unbeliever. They're not a brand new believer. But they've been saved for some period of time. Had an opportunity to learn, is what I'm saying, and, and grow and hear the Word of God. And yet, well into their Christian life and journey, they do not participate in God's system of tithes and offerings. 
All right. No one may know it, but they just don't. What do you think the level of ministry toward them will be? Do you think it will be different? Do you think it would be impacted? Do you think maybe their lack of honor in a tangible way hinders the full force of God's blessing, provision, and direction from coming to their life? Do you think it's possible that someone could be hearing a teaching like this and one person, it lights them up and sets them on a great path. The other person hears it and they think, yeah, I know this. This is cool. Good. And it never really registers with them. You see, I, I think that's what, what happens and people don't realize it. And they're thinking, I don't know why it's not working as well for me as it should. I don't know why. And, and others will say, I haven't seen you for five years, but you look, you're the same. In other words, you're not supposed to be the same. We're supposed to make advancement. We're supposed to increase in the fruits of our righteousness, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And he tied that to giving. Is everybody with me today? So now that I've asked you the question and kind of told you the answer, what do you think? <laughs> I'm just saying by experience, I see this not as a positive in someone's life. I'm not taking away their salvation. I'm not refusing to pray for them or love them or help them. But when someone doesn't open their heart in this regard, showing honor to God by showing honor to whom he has called into their lives to minister to them, they greatly reduce the results that are supposed to take place. That word of knowledge doesn't come. That manifestation doesn't happen in that situation. But when we see that part of honoring God is honoring each other, is honoring our parents, is honoring the gifts of God, is even honoring those whom He sent to bring the Word. We do so not in, a, in an exchange, I'm buying this, I'm paying for this. No, but just in respect and honor to God. And what it does is it opens up our hearts. Amen. And we're not like Jesus' hometown. Where no mighty work can be done there. Yes, mighty works flow abundantly and continually. Amen. Amen. Consider these matters. I've, if I had time, I could give illustrations. I don't know if I would, because it could be taken wrong. But individuals where I've, at times when I've experienced the power of God and wisdom and words of knowledge and words of wisdom flow to them so easily. Thinking, and I ask questions. Why does that work so good in their life repeatedly? And why when this other person, every time they have a question, I don't have an answer. Lord, why aren't you giving me something for them? And I'm not, I don't have to make the absolute judgment. Sometimes I don't know the answer. But sometimes it's inward. Maybe they're not knocking, seeking, asking. Maybe they're just looking to a human being. Maybe they're not showing the proper honor and respect inwardly something that I may not be able to judge immediately, but it's not there. And therefore, God is not honoring them back with these things they want. Hallelujah. Everybody okay today? <laughs> why, don't we say this, why don't we say this out loud? Say, Lord, I seek to honor you in all I do. Teach me how to do it, to show proper honor so that I can receive your highest and best all my days. Amen. Amen. He'll help us, and He is helping us to see these things. Praise God.